Hi, Nick. How are you? Hi, Samela. I'm well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. I am very, very grateful that you came onto my podcast. It's amazing. I've been a great fan of your work. Um, your Instagram, you wear menswear without any, like, there's no, you, you just put it on so nicely and so great and so inspiring. It's it's amazing how you just have these clothes that work so well for you. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just think how you wear these clothing and how you style yourself up, absolutely amazing. So congratulations Thank on you. that. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I guess as I always say that it's probably the only thing that I can do is dress myself. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have loved clothes from the time that I was conscious. I mean, I, you know, before going to school in kindergarten, I used to, you know, demand or I would tell my mom, I'm not wearing that, or I wow. only like this type of shirt and or whatever. And she was like, I'm sure she was like, okay, little gay child, like <laughs> knock yourself out. But I just, I was very specific, even though I didn't know why I just knew that I had preferences that, and, and yeah, I do. So that's why for me to work in around clothes. I mean, I've never called it fashion. I have always said I work in the clothing business because right. I just love clothes and I hate fashion. I love clothes. Um, but you know, it is it's the one thing that I've consistently, I've always loved clothes. Like when my bro, I grew up with two younger brothers and, you know, they would be like, fuck, we got clothes for Christmas or a birthday. And I'm like, clothes, yay. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it just, it, I guess it's one of those things that it just is in, it's in my DNA. It's in my blood. Did you find it difficult going into the trade at the very beginning? Or was it quite well, easy? Because you've done a lot of work with a lot of... <laughs> A lot of brands and a lot of companies. Well, yes. So I, um, yes and no. It's funny. Okay. I didn't think it was hard. So my, so, I mean, I've told the story a million times, but you know how I even started working. So I was 16 years old when I, well, I was probably 15 when I asked my mom for a cashmere sweater because okay. we were firmly in the middle. We weren't rich and we weren't poor. Right. Um, and, you know, I remember asking my mom for a cashmere sweater because, you know, in high school, we had like some of the richest kids in our, and I grew up in a small town, 50,000 right. people in the middle of Kansas. And so we had, you know, the, some of the richest kids in town and also some of the poorest in my high school. There were two high schools. There, there was my high school, which had, you know, black and white, rich and poor. And then there was another newer high school that was all 100% white, middle class, like they were all the same. I went to the one that was diversified, let's say. And there was this kid who had a navy cashmere sweater. And I was like, mom, I want a cashmere sweater. <laughs> and she said, listen, I'm happy to buy you a sweater, but it's not going to be cashmere. If you want cashmere, go work for it. And, you know, I knew that there was a store in town that had cashmere sweaters. It was called Joseph P. Roth and Sons Clothiers. And I went in one day after school and said, do you guys need any help on the weekend or after school? And they said, yes. <laughs> and so, you know, that's how I started working as a 16-year-old. 
in a clothing store. And, you know, when I, I went to college, I uh, didn't study, there was no fashion, you know, course in, at the university of Kansas, which is like a state big school, you know, sports teams, fraternities, all that kind of thing. So I figured the easiest and the most glamorous um, major that I could find would be to go to the journalism school and work in and major in advertising, which I did. And when I first moved to New York, I worked in an advertising agency um, as an assistant account executive working on Procter & Gamble. So it was like super corporate, super straight, super horrible for me, not a good fit at all. Eventually, after two years and working at a magazine, selling advertising space after that three years, I, you know, was like, I want to work. I mean, well, this woman said to me, what do you want to do? And I was like, because I got fired from this job. And I said, "Uh, I want to be a buyer because I knew that, you know, having worked in a retail store, that there was a job called being a buyer or called buyer. And I was like, that sounds glamorous. I could travel, you know, and shop basically. So it didn't happen overnight. I, you know, interviewed with Saks Fifth Avenue to find out about their training program to be an assistant buyer. And this woman who I met with said, listen, most people that are hired to be in, you know, to be an assistant buyer, go through a training program. This was March of 1986 it starts in the fall after school you know so we get recruits and most of the people come from ivy leagues and i'm like okay well i didn't go to an ivy league school and it was march and i needed to work so she said so the other option is you can start working in the store as an assistant department manager and work your way up and if we you know think you have potential we might pull you into the training program so i thought all right i'll try i'll take my chances um a year into it i knew that i wasn't going to be in you know pulled into that training program but somebody who i used to work with said the pressman family who owned barney's at the time and in those days barney's was the single coolest store in the world they're looking for an assistant buyer in menswear. And so I interviewed and, you know, it wasn't immediate, but, uh, you know, a couple months later I got the job. And that started my sort of like, that's really when I believe I started working in fashion or working, you know, in the field that I work in now. Um, And it was such an amazing time and it's such an amazing opportunity. And, Again, at the moment, I mean, I was a drug addict, (laughs) meaning I did drugs like at night and on the weekends, you know, because also was the 80s and we all went out. Um, But I was able to sort of manage that. And I, you know, I took it for granted what I had, which was a great opportunity. But eventually I got recruited by Bergdorf Goodman, which was, you know, although it wasn't as cool, it was a very beautiful store and considered, you know, sort of like the nicest store in New York. And those two jobs were incredible and they gave me the foundation that I have. Um, But what happened is that as I was a suit, a cloth, what they called tailored clothing buyer at Barney's. So I bought suits and then at Bergdorf's was given the opportunity to buy designer collections. So I would go to runway shows and, you know, buy, buy the brands that many of the brands that people know today. 
um, as I sat in the runway or as I, as I sat in those uh, many of those shows, I used to think, you know, I want to be a designer. I think I could do that. Like, I understand that menswear especially is not like, you know, the sort of thing that women's, that women's is, but I just inherently understood clothing and, and many, you know, menswear design jobs are not really design <laughs> there. It's a kind of merchandising or styling exercise. And um, I got the good fortune to then work for Ralph Lauren in design. And that's when I made a transition to sort of the other side of the business. And, you know, those two events working at Barney's and Bergdorf's and then working at Ralph Lauren were sort of fundamental to everything. Like that's the career that I have is because of those, those two things or those three things. So it was more like the foundation, I suppose, of, um, yeah, and, you know, just, What's interesting is, you know, I was not successful at Barney's in turn. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, at Ralph Lauren in terms of, you know, I, I was not there for very long. And eventually I was, you know, sort of like let go, not fired because they did something wrong, but sort of there was a restructuring before they went public and yeah. they gave me the opportunity to leave with, you know, sort of some money. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I'll definitely go. Um, and I then worked for another small designer and helped him build his business and did a few other things, but it was, it was an amazing foundation and it was like yeah. sort of getting an MBA or getting a graduate degree yeah. to be, to be able to work, to work there, to work for Ralph Lauren. So how, do, you know, with your styling, right? How do you put the clothes together? <laughs> so I never, ever, <laughs> ever think about what I'm going to wear until I have to get dressed. Right. Now, that's not a thousand percent true in that. Obviously, if I know that I'm going to, you know, like some sort of like destination wedding or if I'm going on vacation. Yeah, I start to think about ahead of time what I'm going to need or want. Or obviously for fashion weeks and different things now, sort of in the last few years. Yes, I've, I think about things in a way that I didn't before. But basically, I only think about what I'm going to wear when I'm getting taking a shower for my day. And it usually always involves I watch the weather to understand sort of what's going on. Because, you know, if it's cold and rainy out, I'm not wearing suede shoes or I'm not, you know, there are many things that I'm not going to wear based on what the weather's doing. Um, but by the same and by the same token, I hate planning ahead because like, I don't know how I'm going to feel on Tuesday. So I, I'm not one of these people that when they travel packs outfits and oh, says, that, God, you know, I could not do that. I'm gonna... No, but I like to bring a bunch of shit and throw it against the wall and hope <laughs> fingers crossed that it works out. I mean, I would say 95% of the time it does, but every once in a while I get thrown a curveball where it's like, fuck, what was I thinking? Like, you know, I, I clearly wasn't thinking and I'm sort of left, you know, not prepared. But um, I, I guess that it's it, to answer your question to me, a wardrobe or, you know, having a wardrobe. Somebody told me this years right. ago that you should build a wardrobe. And what I liken it to is gardening. Now, I don't garden, but I do know that, you know, how it works is you do something and then later it works out. <laughs> so I like to think of 
how I shop and how I acquire things is a similar thing. Like I might find a bunch of things or it's probably like cooking. You know, if you have a lot of ingredients and you know what, what you're doing, you can probably make something quite amazing. Or there are people who can do that. I feel like I can do that with clothes. If I just, you know, I don't always think about as I buy things, oh, this is going to go with this, or this is going to go with that, or I, I need this for that. I just buy things and hopefully it all works out. Now, of course, I've made mistakes. And of course, I've bought things that I thought I was going to wear, you know, a certain way. And then I find that I don't. Occasionally, I even get rid of or give away or, you know, sell off things that I've never actually worn. It's happened rarely because the minute I get something new, I want to wear it. Like, I don't care what the season is. I don't care when it is. I just always love to wear new things. Um, I'm not someone who saves. (laughs) I'm saving that for later. I don't do that. (laughs) But you know, I just believe that if you, like I said, I think that if you know how to, if you have a foundation, yeah, you can build a house. Who are you inspired by? Are you inspired by anyone? Or is it, is it like, it, especially in menswear? Oh, no, not really. No, I mean, you know, not, I mean, I, I, I certainly believe that I take notice and I sort of see yeah. many people who dress, who I believe dress well and then many who I don't. But I equally, I just I think that like the thing that I do is I'm observant. I like to sort of, you know, clock or, you know, or check out what people are wearing. And I and, you know, it's usually like, ooh, I don't I don't want to look like that or I'm not <laughs> into that or they look really terrible or it's not for me every once in a while. I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. You know, and it's like, and it could come from anywhere. It could be a kid. It could be an old person. It could be a homeless person. I mean, I, and I know that's a terrible thing to say, but you know, every once in a while you see, I see, well, unfortunately I see a lot of people on the street and I don't, you know, I don't say this because I, but it's like sometimes you see them and they look amazing. Like it's like, I don't know. Like it's like, I don't know. They have a blanket or something. And, you know, and again, it's not that I'm setting out to look like a homeless person, but what I meet, what I do find inspiring is just how people put things together. You know, there's like famous photos, or I swear, National Geographics when I was a kid, and you would see like uh a person in Africa or in India or some place that, you know, was very foreign or seemed very exotic to someone in Kansas. And they might have like a kind of sarong or a piece of cloth wrapped around their waist. And then like a Nike t-shirt, you know, that was probably who knows how they acquired it, but it's like that juxtaposition of like East and West, you know, old and new, you know, vintage, modern, like, I don't know, that tension has always been an interesting concept for me of how to get dressed. And I do think that like rooms or, you know, like interior designers, like a room that has tension is equally as interesting as an outfit that has tension. So who would you say at the moment is um, that you think menswear um, designers or menswear brand is good or like very creative at the moment in your eyes? Well, I mean, there are so many, I mean, there, you know, and again, not all are equal, 
you know, some people may be creative for their marketing or their store design or, you know, and some people might be because the clothes themselves are good. Yeah. Um, and none of this is in any particular order. Right. It's just that, you know, meaning it's what's going to come to my mind. But like, first and foremost, and this is really for me, the number one brand gestalt world that I'm the most attracted to is everything in the orbit of Comme des Garçons. Right. And by that, I mean Dover Street Market. I mean, all the different brands that they have, the fact that they embrace other designers, the fact that, you know, she has championed people that have worked for her and given them their own, like Junior Watanabe or, yeah. you know, um, the guy, I believe it's a guy that does noir, but different people that she's sort of like, you know, spent her career with yeah. and given opportunities. Um, I, 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 for me, Comb is the single most important brand out there. After that, this is in no particular order, um, you know, you can't deny what Tom Brown is doing. You can't deny what Ralph Lauren, the contribution Ralph Lauren made, has made, is making to, you know, the world of menswear. Um, uh, you know, and I, in men's, you know, Craig Green, I know, I, I still believe is like interesting, um, uh, you know, Matthew Williams, who's, you know, doing his own thing with the leaks as well as, as Givenchy, although I'm less interested in like those big commercial brands, but it's sometimes interesting to see what they're doing um, because the resources are so great. Um, shit, I had one on the tip of my tongue. Um, you know, undercover. I mean, I, there are so many great brands, the soloists, there's so many creative people doing interesting things. Um, I'm no, I'm blanking out. Uh, this is like the worst question you can ask me because it's like <laughs> asking which one of your children is your favorite. Um, I'll probably just blurt out another name later. That's fine. That's fine. Um, what about the um, new brands, like the smaller brands? Um, I don't know how it is in, in the States, in New York, but I presume you have loads of new brands, smaller brands, like we do have in UK. So we do. And I am going to say I'm a terrible person because I don't. <laughs> the problem is with me is, you know, is that I don't remember them or the name right. necessarily. You know, the sort of the famous, the most famous one today. Oh, right. Let's see. It just came in my on the email. So um, Jill Sander. So I okay. do think that uh, what uh, Luke you know, and his wife are doing it. Jill Sander are amazing. But what Luke also does with OAMC, it, you know, his work is really, he's amazing. Like he's such a great designer and someone whose clothes I, I love. Um, but anyway, to go back. So Bode, um, this kid, Tristan, who does, I can't remember what he calls his collection. He gets lumped into, you know, he's been accused of sort of copying Bode, but like both okay. Bode and this kid, Tristan Detweiler, who, oh, his brand is called Stan. Um, they both are following the footsteps of Ralph Lauren, which is like recycling Americana and recycling vintage because Ralph cut up uh, quilts in the 60s like and 70s. So like right when he started, he was doing things like that. So they both think they're doing something new. It's been done before. Um, 
But again, it's, but that's okay because there, you know, there's all kinds of new expressions and, you know, menswear in particular, it's, yeah. it, it's not original. It's not really meant to be original because if it's original, it's probably too weird. Um, uh, oh, there's a kid that I um, mentored for a minute and his name of his, he's from Africa and his, the name of his brand is, fuck, um, he uses a printing technique that's, you know, uh, I don't know if it's just in Nigeria or if, if that, I can't even remember if that's exactly where he's from, but it's an amazing dye process that he would use. And he also studied tailoring. So he, he, it's not that he makes suits this way, but he uses print and traditional menswear tailoring and it's beautiful. It's, he's based in the States, um, in New York. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He's based in New York and, yeah. Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Um, it's all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to find his Instagram why, while we're talking. Um, right. Anyway, th there, there are many, um, you know, th there are many. And the, the, problem, the problem for these kids is that so many, and I'm not saying this about any specific one, but right. one thing that I think is always really sad and hard is when you do see these young kids who don't have any experience and they come out of school and they straight away start their own thing. The problem is that they don't have sort of a, some experience to fall back on to know what some of the pitfalls are. And so consequently they yeah. aren't all successful. And that's what is really the cruel part of watching young brands is that cool. it's very hard for them to, you know, to sort of, it's like a seedling or a sapling that doesn't, you know, it's hard to survive but if they can and they do, then you know, it's. Do you think it's? Um, do you think um, it's best to actually go out there and work first before you start your own brand? One hundred percent. Even if you're not successful at it, meaning, listen, there's a type of person, and I realize that I've become this type of person. It's unmanageable. And I don't mean that because they're like insane or because they're like, they just, you know, want to break things. I just mean they don't take direction well. They're not disciplined enough to, you know, work in a corporate setting. But it's like going to college or, or getting an education. There are certain steps and certain things that I think you should do. And, yeah. and also some people are miserable when they're working, you know, for people, for other people. Okay, it's not forever, but do it for a couple of years. It's like going into the army. Like if yeah. you grow up in Israel and many other countries, you got to go to the army whether you want to or not. Like it's like that. Like part of it is I just think that you have to do some things that you don't want to do. And I'm not talking about being abused or talking about being like, you know, treated terribly. I just mean that it's a good um, foundation. It's a good sort of like, exercise to go through so that you're spared some brain damage, some heartache on the other end. Um, because it's cruel, the fashion business, you know, and it's a terrible <laughs> business model, the way that it exists, where you're sort of fronting money for, you know, almost a year beef and you've got two collections in before you ever start to see money appear. And that's a terrible business model. 
I mean, I, I mean, I think it's um, it's very hard out there. It's always has been, and I think once you actually get some experience, um, how the trade works, it does make it easier to understand how it works. But at the same time, there are some people who, um, you know, sick and tired of working for others or just want to start there because they're so creative that they don't see themselves working for anyone. You know, it's it's right. it's like I don't want to work for anybody. I just want to go and work for myself. And I, there are brands who've made it quite well. You know, they've they've done it. They've they've come out the other side, and they've come out very successful. To be successful in this trade, what would you say? What's the ultimate thing to be successful in this trade? <laughs> don't listen to people like me. Um, okay, <laughs> Post Imperial is the name of the brand that right. I could not think of okay. from New York. Um, okay, so so I I think that there is equal what what's really necessary to be successful are equal parts knowledge and equal mm -hmm. parts ignorance. And what I mean by that is like. It's too late for me to ever have my own business, you know, the traditional kind of business, because I know too much, right. <laughs> meaning I know <laughs> what's going to happen. I know how it goes mm -hmm. and I don't have the stomach to sort of like go through it. When I say equal parts knowledge and equal parts ignorance, what I mean by that is there's a certain you, the fact that you don't know what's going to happen is probably a blessing. So rather than, because if I tell you what's going to happen, it'll either fuck you up and, and it'll stop you from doing it, or, you know, it'll piss you off and it will make you want to do it even more, which happens. But it's just, it's like, like I said, I know too much, mm -hmm. but for some young people, they don't know enough. And that's actually how they're able to get through it is because they don't know what's going to be, you know, um, on the other side. And Nick, did you ever want to do your own brand? Never. Well, that's not true. I thought about it when I was younger. Ooh, yeah. I want to have a brand. But like, I started to understand even when I was working at Ralph Lauren, like, yeah. or even before that, when I was working with this small designer, John Bartlett, mm -hmm. I saw a lot of the things that he had to go through. And I thought, oh, I don't have the stomach for this. I just don't like, I'm not interested in doing X, Y, or Z to get there because it, 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 again, it takes a certain amount of, I mean, obviously you have to be talented and you have to be knowledgeable and you have to be, you know, sort of like, you do have to have some point of view. Um, outside of that, there are so many things that you are going to have to do that you don't want to do. And until you're able to hire someone to do them for you, you're going to have to do them. And part of it is like, financial, meaning like, okay, no, you don't have to do your own taxes and, you know, whatever, but you, you know, there are many talented people who don't make it because they aren't good at managing their business. And by that, I mean, managing themselves, but also managing sort of the, the moving parts that have to happen. Now, many of the most successful designers and brands in the world have always had someone behind them who yeah. can do that for them. Yeah. But if you're a kid doing it on your own and you don't have someone 
to do those things that for sure you're probably not very good at and you probably don't want to do, um, it's going to be really hard, you know, for you over the long haul. What's your next project? Uh, can you tell us what your next projects are going to be or? Well, <laughs> not, not exactly. I mean, I, you know, continue to work with, many small and emerging brands yep. or sort of emerging, you know, like not designer brands, but maybe categories, but I do um, have a couple of collaborations coming out one in knitwear and one with uh, the Onitsuka, which is the Japanese sneaker brand Onitsuka tiger. They have a, a division called the Onitsuka and I'm doing a collaboration with them. Um, I, I have a chapter that's part of an anthology of a book that's coming out in March. Okay. Um, I may, I may be working on a book as well on my own. Um, those are the things, those are some of the things that I am sort of able to talk about. But again, I, you know, I, there are, I, I might move. <laughs> I don't know. There's just a few things that are cooking and being percolating, but. Um, Where are you thinking of I'm, moving to? Um, are you thinking of moving to London or is it going to be somewhere <laughs> else? I love London. I right. wish I could move to London. Um, <laughs> I've never lived in Europe. No, I mean, I no. No? Okay. I'm not going to say. Okay, no worries. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. With um, with menswear, where do you think menswear is going at the moment? I mean, you know, I, I don't know. If okay. I knew, I'd be playing the futures market and wouldn't be talking to you right now. Um, <laughs> I, you know, the, the reality is, is like, I, I do see some major trends happening in the world in terms of retail, meaning that um, I don't think that, you know, brick and mortar is, is dead and going away. And I, you know, it's only online, but I absolutely believe that, you know, the patterns that we've been establishing over the past, you know, 10 years for sure, but even the last two because of COVID yeah. have fundamentally changed how we consume everything, consume, you know, food and, and, entertainment, meaning like on our television, as opposed to going, going somewhere, as well as, you know, how we shop and buy for and acquire clothes, you know, both are equally important in the world. And I do think that the most innovative brick and mortar retail will survive because people do want experiences. And if they are going to venture outside, it better be worth their while. So I think it should make the stores that are good, better and great, but the stores that are already great, better. And I think that if you, that it, and then the future is the opportunity to create something, um, you know, I think that there will be opportunities to, to uh, create something experiential and amazing in a physical realm. Separately, I do think that there's probably something to the metaverse and the blockchain and all of these kinds of things that you hear about in technology and that's yeah. only going to continue to accelerate too. Mm -hmm. So I think those two things together, you know, mean that there will be opportunity. It just may be that we don't know what that is yet. And 
Last question: How was the fashion week in New York? Well, <laughs> it was okay. I mean, <laughs> you know, the the thing is, New York, like London, I yeah. think, yeah. are have a suffer from a bit of an identity crisis, or, or suffer in that they're not New York. I'm sorry, they're not Milan or Paris, right. particularly Paris. You know, and so. There have been moments in history when London was very exciting. What was happening in、yep. the fashion world, and even New York. The, the, these are not the moments for either of those two cities. That's not to say that there isn't some interesting pockets. I mean, I think that、um, in London there are some amazing women's designers in particular, and certainly Jonathan Anderson is having you know an, an interesting moment in general. And you know, in New York, Peter Doe. Which was really the only women's show that I went to was incredible and and is an incredible brand and I think he you know is doing something really beautiful and there's legs to it I think it's going to do really well but I think that you know it's not it's not about that it's like New York is the most inspiring or the most interesting but it's just nice to be. Back, it's nice that we're back to some physical events. I went to menswear in, in Europe in January, Pitti,、yeah. Milan, and Paris. And although there wasn't a lot going on, I do. I went last summer as well, and、I'll, and even though there was even less going on last summer, there it just it's good to be to be there participating and to see people. And I believe that by the time June rolls around, we it should be something much more exciting. And、uh, so you're going to June for,、um, for um, Pitti, are you? Yeah, I am. Yeah,、okay. I'll go to Pitti and Paris for sure, and and Milan. Right. Okay.、Um, on that note,、um, I'd like to thank you, Nick, for coming on board on Menswear by a Woman. It's been an absolute blast and amazing having you on board. And yeah, I hope one day I do meet you in Pitti. Actually, if I come out there, so yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. And thank you so much for asking me. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you. Hi, Samela. Bye.